0: Hey, you wanna watch some TV or something? Just
1: skip it. Well, I'm getting ready to
0: watch a video. Really?
1: What? Nothing but foul language and toilet humor! I'm disgusted and repulsed and and I can't look away.
0: No way, no way, Jose. <laughs> this just in. Go to hell. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore.
1: Stop
0: it! Stop 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 it.
1: Hello, friends and listeners. Welcome to another episode of Watch Skip Plus. I am Cupcake, here with my co-host, Cinemazikist, And we are a movie review podcast with a lifestyle twist. Before we get into our movie reviews proper, each of us has a plus, and that can be a lifestyle, something notable lifestyle-wise, a movie, a book, a television series that that stuck with us during the past week. Justin, how are you? this week.
0: You know, I I am doing well. I'm not we are to pull back the curtain a little bit recording November 1st and I'm normally very sad the day after Halloween, but you know, it's, you know, it's going to come again and you know, we're we're kind of extending it a little bit with tonight's episode, so
1: in a way, yes, yes. How was your Halloween, by the way? Oh,
0: it was very nice. Just went to my sister's, got to hand out candy there, watched a bunch of Simpsons Trials of Horrors. They had actually talked about watching Hocus Pocus 2, and I was like, I might leave Ugh. early then. So I think that's Ugh. one of the Simpsons ones.
1: <laughs> by the way, did you see the news that yes. Hocus Pocus 2 was is the most watched Disney Plus movie? Which, like- unless i read the headline wrong cuz i didn't read the article i hate hocus pocus sorry everybody <laughs> but uh if they're saying that's the most watched just from new streaming but if they're saying it's the most watched out of all of their catalog that makes me really sad and i commented hold to on. somebody whoa, whoa, whoa. that like well, hold on here's dead. the thing
0: i i saw that post and i did <laughs> laugh at it and here's the thing i don't like the first hocus pocus either Maybe hate it, maybe don't. But you, sir, do not get to talk about Cinema's Dead with some of the shitty
1: films that you rep for. I mean, intrinsically, uh, there's more uh, value to, like, say, Electra, Jade, uh, and Showgirls uh, than there is to Showgirls, sure. Fucking hocus pocus. But not to <laughs> fucking Electra or Catwoman or
0: fucking oh my God, Assassin's, Catwoman is
1: great. Or
0: Assassin's Creed or Holmes and Watson. You get off your high horse, oh sir. I don't have a high horse. Ah, uh, that's because I got
1: you off of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are we are here to talk about Terrifier Two, which has been burning up the box office. Um, basically, it was it was a sequel to uh, a low budget horror film called Terrifier, which grew a very cult following, a big cult following, and now the sequel has been released. Through the magic of, let's just say, uh, crowdfunding, I suppose, uh, by other production companies, it found its way to very limited theaters. And from word of mouth, it's really, really grown and it's it's expanded. I think it's made something like, like 150% over its actual budget, um, which is kind of crazy. It's a, it's a smash success. So we'll be getting into that. But first, we have some pluses. So Justin, off
0: to you. All right. Well, I mentioned we're extending Halloween and I'm doing that because my plus is Halloween related and it is my favorite non-podcasting non-event because I don't want to include those because they are better than this just for personal experience. But the best Halloween treat was the Out There Halloween Mega Tape. Now, for those that are not in the know, this is a sequel to the WNUF Halloween special, which have you seen that, Jose? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. I wasn't sure. Cause I, I ended up doing that, watching that with friends the one time, but I, I don't think you were still there for it. So what the WNUF Halloween special is, is it is a faux documentary of basically tape trading. So it's this idea that in 1987, that there was this news broadcast on Halloween and they sent in their reporter to, you know, go investigate a haunted house. And it turns out maybe it actually was haunted or somebody possibly killed them think ghost watch but the real seller was before you even get to that you get the actual fake newscast that was set on halloween from like a local news channel they make fake commercials and it just it nails it perfectly it is one of the absolute favorite halloween treats that i go to each year uh similar i guess you can say to terrorfire it had a cult following because They actually did release their own VHS as well as DVD on their own website, and I want to say 2013 or 2014, and it actually got a Blu-ray release last year. So now here comes the sequel, which is following the first release pattern, where it's not streaming anywhere just yet. Uh, I got it because I bought it uh, the DVD from their website. I believe they also have a VHS. And this is actually a sequel. I thought that it was a sequel in like spirit only, but it is not because... This also is showing broadcasts from a WNUF network, but the difference is it's set in the 90s and it's split up a bit. So the first, I'd say 20 to 30 minutes is a faux like Ricky Lake type talk show that's just shown on Halloween. And then it cuts to 1996 where now there's this, if you remember those like alien abduction shows that were all, all the rage in the 90s, it's basically that it's out there and they're doing this investigation at a cornfield if aliens are actually real And the reason they showed the Ricky Lake thing in the beginning is because now it's a few years later and her show got canceled. So she has to do this. And in between all of this, there's these fake commercials that make you feel like you're in the mid 90s. And the gimmick with this one is there's a character called Trader Tony, who this is his like compilation that he gave out to his followers one year. And there's actually even a cheeky commentary track from this fake character. On the DVD, it's just really fun. If you're like me and you love these kitschy specials, and you love watching like old news reels from Halloween, and when you have the newscasters dressed up, or all those alien abduction shows, it captures it so well, it has a great sense of humor. And a plus with this one, pardon the pun, is that a good <laughs> friend of the show, a good friend of mine, Coop, actually is in this sequel. So uh, he is one of the audience members. He's dressed up as a Trekkie in the faux Ricky Lake because I believe they filmed this. I want to say parts of New York. Um, hmm. So I think he made the travel up there. I'm sure this will eventually hit streaming. Cause if I recall the WNUF Halloween special a year or so after it's released, I don't know if it was shutter, but one of those services picked it up that got the word out more. And then it got the Blu-ray release. I'm hoping the same thing happens here, but these are just so much fun.
1: Nice. And um, uh, am I, Am I correct? Is this the Chris La Martinez? Yes, yes. Uh, sounds, outfit. Yes, that sounds correct. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, for some reason, I, I thought that he was a casting director or something, or I came across him on Facebook or some or something, yep. and then it looks like he's he's grown into this sort of thing. I used to talk to him on Facebook, and then I deleted Facebook because Facebook sucks. Um, but I noticed this WNUF stuff, and I was surprised because when you mentioned it, cause I was just looking at his release coming out of this actually. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I,
0: and I almost forgot to grab it cause I think they put it on sale in September. So it wasn't until like mid October and I was like, man, I don't know if it's going to arrive in time for me to watch it. Not that I can't watch it after, but it still arrived with a couple of days to go. So,
1: and it's cute. It looks like the packaging is kind of like VHS sort of. Yeah.
0: And I'm assuming if you buy the VHS itself, like the poster for it, uh, that's on the DVD cover is like somebody holding the, the fake tape. And on the back, it's like the fake tape. I'm assuming if you buy the actual VHS tape, it's just that, uh, but yeah, yeah. it's really nice and kitschy. Uh, even one of the other special features, a podcast, I kind of like, uh, the purple stuff podcast. Uh, I know of it because, uh, Mad Matt who does dinosaur Dracula and he used to do X entertainment. He co-hosts that. And what's really fun that they threw this special on there was their podcast is all about nostalgia stuff. They grew up with in the eighties and nineties. So he actually had them do a fake podcast episode talking about the commercials on the special, but pretending that it's all real. Like, Oh man, I used to see this and I heard about this
1: tape. And I'm just like, I love that. Everyone went in all in with this. It's, it's just, it's so fun. That sounds great. We'll have to we'll have to link it. Um, I've been curious about the the sort of WNUF stuff and and um some of the other stuff that Mr. La has put together. So uh yeah, it, it sounds interesting. It sounds great. I think you'll dig it. Okay. And um my plus is the reason why we're recording on a Tuesday, um, in some ways, although I did have something to do on Sunday, but um I attended the uh, 2022 dismember the Alamo movie, mar- horror movie marathon Alamo draft house, as many of you know, started uh, in Texas and they have uh, kind of like a big franchise grown and have locations. Uh, the cinemasochist and I are on the East coast and our closest Alamo draft house would have been loud in Virginia, but they o- recently opened one in DC, the Bryant street address. Um, it's pretty cool. The lobby has uh a statue of the of Bill Pullman, the president from Independence Day. It's it's really great. It's decorated just in the same style of all the other Alamo draft houses, but it's fun because it's kind of vertical. There's escalators, et cetera. So uh attended the Dismember the Alamo. I, I think the pandemic sort of put a damper on some of those other ones. Uh the four movies that we actually before I do that, I want to thank our good friend Randy, who was instrumental in sort of like, uh, reserving or getting tickets for, um, a two row block. And so, you know, Randy and his wife, his wife were there. Um, a couple of his friends, Troy from the not a bomb podcast was there with, uh, his daughter and his wife, one of their guests, John attended as well. Sammy from the uh co-host, co-host of the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema was there. Dustin McGowan, who's also he's uh written um some novels as well. And now uh is also big on the Gentleman's Guide to Uh Midnight Cinema Facebook page. We were all in attendance, uh, me and of course my husband Scooter. So it was uh it was a fun time. I highly suggest everybody go to one of these. Tickets do sell pretty quickly, so try to get those. So the four that four movies that we had the first was spookies uh from 1986 directed by Jeannie walsh uh the log line from imdb goes after taking a wrong turn travelers find themselves trapped in a mysterious house one horror after another threatens them as the flatulent sorcerer you wrote he <laughs> read that right flatulent sorcerer who lives within needs sacrifices to give eternal life to his beautiful bride whether or not the bride was as gassy as he is remains ambiguous. And so this is really fun. Uh, it's it's sort of it like sort of like John Buckler's uh effects, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, from like ghoulies. Um, and it's just absolutely bonkers and bizarre, and there's like farting creatures that come out of the basement and there's great 80s costumes. This one dude is in like leather with zippers everywhere. Uh, it, it's just a fun time. It's a it's a great little crazy 80s movie. The second movie was Flesh Eater, which was uh, ri- written and directed by S. William Hinsman. I think we all know Mr. Hinsman as the zombie that first appears in the cemetery in George Romero's original Night of the Living Dead. Um, And apparently, according to Randy, since then, he has piggybacked, I guess, on that notoriety and has created films uh, that are very much involving zombies and are sort of an offshoot of Night of the Living Dead, Flesh Eater being one of them. This is from 1988. The log line goes: A group of teenagers taking a nocturnal hayride come across the grave of a man. Little do they know that this deceased man is a zombie, and that would be Mr. Hinsman. Uh, one by one, the actual living are falling victim and becoming zombies. Eventually, there are zombies everywhere and someone needs to stop them. But who? Um my first impressions of this, because it, it is a fun, gory graphic, like zombie movie, um, definitely in the spirit of Night of the Living Dead. My first Response to this was, I feel like Romero should sue (laughs) Kinsman because there's a lot that's taken from this right down to the downer um, ending of Night of the Living Dead. But as Cinemazicus, Justin has pointed out uh, through some bizarre rights incident the uh Night of the Living Dead rights somehow went to the public domain and so it was open season and and hence we have Mr Hinsman and co-screenwriter Bill Randolph making this movie um really really attractive cast for the 80s uh all in tight denim pretty fabulous. Um, the third film was an AGfa. Trailer compilation called VHS Rage. So Agva stands for the American Genre Film Archive. They are based in Texas, and they often do pair with the Alamo Draft House on these events and movie marathons. They are a nonprofit that specializes in preserving genre works uh, of the past and, and obviously of the of the coming future as well. Um, so if you feel like donating and you you are a movie person at heart, definitely think about Agva. This was a trailer compilation of uh, basically like VHS trailers for low-budget films. Um, it was a rough sit. It's like eighty minutes. I mean, I enjoyed it, but a lot of I think a lot in the audience were sort of like, "Wait a minute, we came for a movie marathon. I feel like we were gypped by watching a bunch of trailers or what have you." Um, it, it, it definitely very very interesting. Uh, the last movie was something called Unmasked Part Twenty Six, which I twenty five. Sorry, which I'd always seen on the Uh, Vinegar Syndrome website, but I, I didn't know anything about it. So this is a 1988 film directed by Anders Palm, written by Mark Cutforth. And the logline goes, Jackson is a lonely serial killer. Yes, you heard that right. A lonely serial killer who's really beginning to question the point of all of his killing. He is losing focus on why he started to kill in the first place. The future looks bleak until he meets a blind girl who begins to show him that life isn't so bad. And without spoiling it, because this one, if you want to talk about bonkers, 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 this movie was definitely bonkers. It was a great group watch. And what's interesting about it is from 1988, we don't normally think of that as a time when there was meta-horror or horror movies like Scream that were self-referential and sort of like looking inward and making fun of tropes and making fun of serial killer films. And this is one of the first to do that. And it's it's really kind of mind-blowing and funny and just a very interesting take on serial killers. So... Incidentally, and at the DC uh, Bryant location of the Alamo Draft House, there is going to be a December Dismember to Remember, uh, which is going to be a marathon of like Christmas-themed uh, horror films. I believe. I think that's going to be on. I want to say it's December tenth, but if you want to come hang with one of the co-hosts of this show, possibly I'm going to be there, and or possibly I'm both. I'm going to try to see
0: if I can get off because I Please did go do to so. the Alamo. Uh, with you and randy and scooter earlier this year for their triple feature back in march which was fun yeah uh, and the only reason i wasn't able to get off for the dismember of the alma was just because i had the 24-hour
1: hillathon the weekend prior so i was like i can't pull off two weekends in a row yeah you were movie pooped at that point you couldn't yeah. come out but it's it's all good it's all good so um all right and i guess that moves us into the movie proffer. Proper Terrifier Two, again. This is I'll intro the film. This is uh, from Damien Leone, who is a special effects makeup artist. I think he's m- mainly known for um, I'm going to say low budget features. This is not a this is not a dig. He uh, is known as a special effects makeup artist for that. Previously, he directed a couple shorts, one of which was Terrifier, which got some notoriety. His first film he directed was a uh, sort of horror anthology called All Hallows Eve, in which the art, the clown character from the Terrifier short appeared in, I believe it was two of the four of those. Later, he would go on to direct Frankenstein versus The Mummy. Little did we know, Leon was working his own little dark universe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't seen that one. I did see All Hallows Eve. Um and then of course that brings us to ter- Terrifier which was the first film in this series and now we come to our sequel Terrifier 2 uh again written directed and edited actually by Damien Leone now there are uh, it usually i try to go through some of the people below the line as well it's a little easier to just say there are a ton of producers on here and a lot of the producers are actually wearing many 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 different hats on this which i just goes to sh- uh, just goes to show you when it comes to low budget filmmaking and especially horror i mean there's such a passion and you can definitely see this kind of thing happening with other uh movies and other uh independent productions but it's just there's such a love that people just wear many different hats and they just pour their heart and souls into this so out of the producers who are wearing different hats we have george stuber who's also the director of photography jason levy who is casting part second unit director also key grip (laughs) michael levy who's also a second unit director phil falcone ran production management and also helped with some of the special effects um People who are not producers, but also wearing multiple hats, Olga Turka is our costume designer, but she's also the production designer and the set designer. And then our makeup effects are by Damien Leone, the director, Anthony Giordano, and again, Phil uh, Falcone, who's one of the producers who did production management. Our cast is mainly unknowns. I don't know that many would recognize many of these actors. A lot of them have been working in television, um, shorter, smaller supporting roles. Many of them have been working their way up. But we have Lauren Lavera. Uh, she plays our lead Sienna. David Howard Thornton. He is Art the Clown. Samantha scafati is returning from Terrifier 1 She as Vicky. She is the survivor of the first movie and its events. Jenna Connell as Tara. Katie McGuire, who I think is absolutely gorgeous. She's back as sort of the interviewer um, who has a television show. Elliot Fulham, a young man uh, who plays Jonathan. Very good performance. Oops, I'm sort of giving it away. Uh, Sarah Vott, who plays Barbara, the mother. And then Charlie McElveen, um, who notably has a theater troupe called Dead End Kids in New York and L.A. Um, but again, I don't know that many would know some of the cast here. And the log line for this goes... After being resurrected by a sinister entity, Art the Clown returns to the timid town of Miles County, where he targets a teenage girl and her younger brother on Halloween night.
0: I think you jumped the gun. Terrifier 3 is going to be when a senator resurrects him to help get himself elected.
1: Yes. In fact, (laughs) I I think I would watch that. It it would be called Terrifier 3 Election Recount. Yes. (laughs) Or it could be like a crossover of the purge election year. Exactly. That would be perfect. Um, All right. So, Justin, spoiler-free thoughts on Terrifier 2.
0: Well, I already pulled back the curtain a little bit earlier by saying what night we're recording on. So I'm going to peel back the curtain a little bit without showing you our tricks. One of the reasons that we never announce ahead of time what we're doing, some of it's just a safety on our part in case life gets crazy, but two, having a tentative schedule allows us to alter a little bit when a movie like terrifier 2 comes out that ends up kind of coming out of nowhere and gains a lot of steam and also lands perfectly on a week where sometimes we just have filler movies we're like yeah maybe we'll cover that but when we get closer it's kind of free reign. we'll throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what we want to talk about now throughout this month jose and i just talk Behind the scenes as well as on, just like we do with the Not A Bomb podcast and the GGTMC guys. And Terrifier 2 was coming up a lot. Uh, it came up when we were on an episode behind the scenes of Not A Bomb podcast because of the Horathon, or the clowns everywhere. And I had seen Terrifier, and I was curious about Terrifier 2, though I was put off by that long length. And some of you will probably even realize that it was... One of the few times that I hopped onto our social medias and talked about something I was watching personally, and that was Terrifier 2. I said, hey, I'm making the 40-minute trek, which if I would have just waited a little bit, it did come to my cinema much closer on Halloween night. But yeah, hindsight's 2020. Yep. <laughs> uh, and I kind of mentioned, you know, it, it's too long, but I kind of liked it. Now, even before seeing Terrifier 2, I had mentioned to Jose, I'm like, I don't know if you're going to like these movies. Uh, I mean, All Hallows Eve is fine, but. The first film is a very cruel and brutal exercise, and the sequel is it's, it's that times a hundred, basically. But after you know, Jose decided to see? All Hallows' Eve and Terrifier, and unless I'm wrong, correct me wrong. I know you kind of liked All Hallows' Eve, and you said you liked Terrifier as well. Correct?
1: I I did not enjoy half of All Hallows' Eve. Well, that's and fair. I, and I did I did actually like terrifier i didn't think it was amazing but i i, I enjoyed it and now that brings us to terrifier two,
0: where i i'll go with my spoiler free thoughts first we, we got to address the elephant in the room this movie is two hours and 18 minutes it's two and a half hours if you stay for the after the credits roll they have a little behind the scenes feature i started to stick around with it but it I don't know it was kind of choppy like hastily put together so i'm like i'm just gonna use the restroom and head home i gotta got a 40 minute <laughs> drive um And it is too long at two hours and 18 minutes. The first one is I think not even 80 minutes. I didn't fully rewatch it again, but I did go back uh, to revisit a lot of the scenes in that film to refresh myself for this discussion. And this doesn't have any business being an hour longer. It is a very bare bones slasher fair play to it. It looks so much better than the first. Sometimes that might not work in its favor. I, I do think that the first film while being very low budget and, was able to use its lighting and create this weird atmosphere that the f- this sequel is lacking. This just feels like we have, it's a year later after the events of the first film. And now we have a uh, new teenagers that Art the Clown is going to go after. More specifically, we have a sister and brother duo uh, that are dealing with the loss of their father who is hinted at had become obsessed with Art the Clown, was I believe possibly a victim of him. I can't remember if they said he ever was or not. Uh, And it's kind of how they're dealing with that trauma and then Art the Clown coming about. And anybody that they come into contact with ends up becoming in danger. Meanwhile, there's a whole bunch of shit with trying to do some world building. You have nightmare sequences where Art the Clown gets his own local public access show. Not unlike maybe something you'd see on WNUF Halloween special, but much gorier. Uh, You have, uh, he has this really weird that is, I don't care that it's not explained, but it doesn't make much sense that he has this like almost little girl clown that art has, but they make it seem like only he can see her because early on, you know, he's talking to her and kind of doing his creepy shit and then nobody else sees him. But later on, other characters do. I don't know if that was meant to be art has made them go insane. I just think they were just throwing shit at the wall. This is a long winded way of me saying that despite the fact that this is way too long and. It's not altogether that deep, even if it looks greater. I kind of still like this one. I'm not the gr- craziest fan of the first one either, but I like it as an exercise in just brutality and gore. And I got to say, in that respect, Terrifier 2 ups the ante, especially in the gross department. There are moments that we will get to on our spoiler-filled section where I felt bad, which is not something that normally happens in these kind of movies. But I couldn't help but... Almost respect the terrific effects. Like uh, I know this is a very minuscule budget. I think there was rumors going around this was entirely crowdfunded. From my understanding, that's not the case. Uh, most of this was still funded by Leone and them, like the first one and some of the other producers. The crowdfunding came with, I'm going to assume maybe the nightmare sequence, but I think like a big set piece like that, as well as other pick me up shots, but still fan driven because the first one became such a cult that Leonie has said he didn't really think of doing a sequel. Even if the first one kind of ends on a cliffhanger, it's more just like, well, they all do. And here he's just kind of going for it. And even though I think it's too long, I will say if I didn't know going in, it was two hours and 18, I still would have came out saying this is too long, but If you would have pressed me, how long do you think it was? I would have said, well, it seems like it's an hour and 45, hour and 50, which would still be too long for this. So I guess you can take that as well. But there's a lot that I feel you and I are going to be discussing that I want to keep one for you to bring up your thoughts. But two, a lot of it comes into the spoiler filled section just because we don't want to ruin
1: some of the uh, slashings, if you will. Got it. Got it. Um. Well, <laughs> you are correct. This this movie was it was coming up a lot, uh, not only just amongst our friends but even on social media. I mean, I it felt like on Instagram every other post I saw was Terrifier 2 is tearing up, you know, the box office and people are fainting and da da da. I was getting flashbacks to like uh The Exorcist or The Fly or um yeah, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> audition. Um, and and I bring up those films because when those films were released, there was a lot of like hysteria. People leaving the theater midway, uh, people puking, people being so upset by it. Um, and 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 you know, it was coming out that people were doing the same here. That some people were vomiting, which. When we get to the spoiler section, I can I can understand why that was particularly happening. Um, and I just want to preface my comments by saying a couple things. One, <laughs> horror is an interesting genre because, to me, with horror films, you can be anything, right? You can go for the visceral Herschel Gordon Lewis, it's just going to be disgusting, bl- gu- Blood guts and viscera, and it's not going to have a plot, or you can do something deep and meta, um, or, or or has social commentary like Romero, like Craven, um, like uh, you know John Carpenter. Okay, um, and so I think what's interesting about horror sometimes is that there isn't much of an expectation beyond just being a roller coaster, and I think it's only been a recent phenomenon that horror films have become a little bit more intellectual i think there was a backslide if we think about things like hostile and saw and torture porn which is sort of where i would fit these terrifier movies in because uh you know i it's excessively gory in my mind does it need to be i don't know maybe maybe that's the point of it um but again, horror movies are interesting to review because, again, expectations can be very low, right? You don't hop on a roller coaster and come off and say, well, I didn't like it because The Loop didn't do four spins versus, you know, whatever, right? It's, it, horror movies are interestingly critic-proof, if, if, if we want to say that that. And the other thing I also want to say is that horror fans, people who love horror movies, I'm one of them myself. They are a very, very passionate base. And I would never, never say to somebody, if you enjoyed it and you enjoyed the kills and you get a particular glee at all of that guts and viscera being thrown all over the screen and people screaming, more power to you. I would never yuck your yum, as they say. But I know that for me, when I grew up watching horror films, all it took was just really great kills, and I would love the movie. Um But obviously, you know, not just because we're starting a podcast and being critical about movies, but having a more critical eye in watching horror films, I've sort of graduated from, I need more than just interesting kills. It's why rewatches of like, say, Friday the 13th can be a little groan-worthy because it's kind of like, wow, how did I ever think this was great, <laughs> right? With oh, some well, of the plotting, okay? True,
0: but I will just quickly defend the Frightened movies and say that a lot of them had really cheeky humor and like fun characters that sees a lot of them through i've noticed that when i go back to that series over even something like a halloween where i i feel like that kind of stands so i I just want to defend it also because i feel like troy would yell at us if i didn't at least
1: try to get some probably some defense in there (laughs) (laughs) yes okay so that said I appreciate Damien Leone's passion and his world building but this is definitely over long it's probably more ambitious than it should have been I mean if we if we if you look at the first film and then you look at this we're missing a movie in between okay it, that's how much of a big jump it feels like even though it literally is like Halloween 2 it's it's happening like the night after essentially. And I don't know if that's just Leon's hubris or if he was egged on by this or what have you, but it, it just was it, it was too much. And some of the gore scenes here they just they just go overboard. And I, I felt like I felt like I was watching Faces of Death for the first time, right? Like this, I almost started to look away from the screen. Like it really was just too much and not to get canceled, but kids were being murdered. And even that was a little (laughs) disturbing to me. There is going to be
0: (laughs) one scene that we're
1: talking about in the spoiler filled section. I thought even I thought went too far, but we'll get there. And, and even the little brother here gets victimized, you know, and it's just, it it was just too much. And then in a way it almost, it almost does what, rob zombies halloween 2 did which is it starts to inject what appears to be maybe fantasy elements or or an hoping to open up the story to something a little bit more either mythical or urban legendy to make art the clown maybe a bigger personification of evil um And I just don't know that we needed that in this second film, you know? One of the key things that I enjoyed about the first Terrifier, and yes, there was a very horrific scene in that film involving a hacksaw, which I won't spoil. Um,
0: Uh, I mean, I'll I'll say I think you can. Because if we're talking about a Terrifier 2, I think you...
1: People by have probably proxy. seen the first Ex- one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or if you're going to hear a discussion on a sequel, you have to understand that we're spoiling the movies that come before it. Like that's yeah, of course. Of course. Kind of can So I think you're okay to because I have a whole list about some of the stuff from the first one as well. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, look, in in so in Terrifier One, basically a, a woman gets strung up and she's naked and he hacksaws her starting at her vagina. And um, it's not like we haven't seen this before, right? Craig honor is that his last name? Zeller. Anyway, he directed Bone Tomahawk, and a and a man goes through the same thing. He gets stripped down naked. By the way, the actor is very hot, but not in that scene. Okay, <laughs> not to get. Well, I mean, he was that. still hot in that scene. It's just unfortunately yeah. not at the end. Unfortunately, of the he gets split down the middle, starting with his penis. So it, you know, we've seen that before in horror films, but in that particular moment in Terrifier, it was really uh, terrifying and gross and just mean-spirited in some ways, but what I enjoyed about the first film was that Art the Clown could have been something very, very over-the-top, and I can't believe I'm actually going to say this, but in the first movie, there was at least some kind of restraint with Art's shenanigans. Um Yes, I know. Viewers, you can't see this, but um, Cinemazicus is stroking his beard in the sort of pime. I, I, I
0: see. I, I have a feeling I know where you're coming from, but I have a list for a reason. I'm going to let you keep going because you beat okay. me to
1: the question I was going to ask, which I'm happy about. <laughs> okay. So in the first film, I thought that they had that they restrained it. He he could have gone all Jim Carrey with gore, but they didn't. They pulled it back. There is no such restraint in Terrifier 2, unfortunately. Um, and while some of it works and some of the horror works, it, it just moves the audience into such an uneasy zone where, you know, it's it's weird to be laughing at one second at what art is sort of clowning around and doing and then being mortified the next. At least for me, that's too jarring. Uh, I applaud the ambition. I applaud the passion. But this is just its it's mean spirited. It's over the top. It's. Probably not something I'm gonna ever see again.
0: (laughs) So this is where why I pulled up a list from the first one because Jose (laughs) texted me a bit after leaving his screening last night, and I was a little bit excited because I thought, oh, we're getting really angry, ornery Jose, and he's disappointing me in his reserve here. I mean, I'm 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 loving his professionalism, (laughs) but I'm also a little disappointed. (laughs) I was hoping we get a little bit more hostility. Prepared for it. What I'm glad that you addressed why you think the the first one worked. And to some degree, I will agree because like I said, I did go back to watch a good chunk of it. And I think a big thing that helped the first movie is it's an hour shorter. The fact that it's 80 minutes, even though a lot of its moments linger, you're not sitting with something for two and a half hours. You're only sitting with 80 minutes. I think that plays a big factor because while I do agree that there's even less, restraint on art the clown and terrifier Two. he's going all over the place. The whole movie is let's not pretend like the first one, he wasn't doing some grotesque shit and just some weird out there. Talk about the vag scene. Well, we have, there's moments in this sequel that definitely linger, but in that first one, he stabs a guy in the head and then hacksaws his whole head off and they do it in slow, almost realistic fashion of what it would probably take to, well, as much as you can in a slasher movie, that same Vagisaw takes forever. Unlike in Bone Tomahawk, where I feel like that scene in comparison was quicker, you had that. You had a random cat lady get scalped and had her breast cut off. And then this is why I gave you a look when you said restraint. <laughs> and then Art the Clown wears her hair and her breast and starts dancing around with it. So you're gonna sit there and tell me <laughs> that there was restraint in the first film. But
1: Okay, well, maybe what I meant what maybe what I meant was it's too much of a good thing. Right, and this I, I, is I can agree. this is like the cheesecake where you get five bites into it and you're like, "It's too sweet. It's it's too much. I, I can't do it." And I think that that short length helped Terrifier I, very much.
0: And I am curious because I said it in my thing, but especially after I went back to to look at the Terrifier a little bit today and yesterday, even though it does definitely look like a cheaper like production. I do think that works because the one thing that Terrifier 2 doesn't really have, despite the fact that it has a much, I don't want to say tighter narrative, but a more straightforward narrative, because that first one is barely has a plot. Like it's just characters show up, he stalks them, more characters show up, stalk them here. There's a more of a two protagonists that kind of tie everything together. Not that he doesn't still just randomly find people, but there's a little bit more of a focus in that regard. But it feels like in this sequel, it's a means to the end. And with the first one, since he didn't really need to have the means, he ended up, whether he tripped into it or planned it, he did create a tension around art stalking everyone, which is missing from this sequel. I honestly, even when I was revisiting the first one, I was like, because I just remembered it being what this is, just pretty much a almost a highlight reel, demo reel, if you will, of grotesque uh, slashings. And I am not going to, uh, besmirch you or, or make fun of you and being like, Oh, you know, it's too much for you. Cause I'm getting to that area though too. And I'm actually comparing this, uh, I'm going to bring up wrestling again because it's my other love. Uh, <laughs> but there is a subsection of pro wrestling called deathmatch wrestling where the objective is, and it's very big in Japan, but there's, it's also big on the independent circuits here with like GCW, where wrestlers will use not just like the what you expect, like the gimmick steel chairs, but they'll use fluorescent light tubes, skewers, nails, all of this like really grotesque stuff to wrestle each other. And some of it's gimmicked, obviously, but you get to a spot where it's like when I was a teenager, I loved it. Like I, they, they would show some of the stuff on pay-per-view like japanese hardcore wrestling my friends would come over and we'd order it but as i've gotten older sometimes i want that and especially if it's done well i can enjoy it but to your credit it is like that cheesecake where too sweet and then it just you become numb to it and especially when it comes to wrestling this is where the comparison falters that is i mean you can call them stuntmen but they are taking those bumps as to where at least on a movie like it it the fakeness is easier to, well, fake because it's productions. So at least in regards to a movie, I think I'm a little bit softer with it than with wrestling. Because in my mind, I'm just like, dude, you're not going to be walking in 20 years. What the hell are you doing? Like, Mick Foley is the perfect example. Somebody who probably shouldn't be walking right now considering all the stuff he's done. And it's a miracle he is. And these guys are just going even crazier. So so I think that relation is perfect comparison. And I'm also wondering... and. I still feel like you wouldn't have liked Terrifier 2. But since you did see the first one so close to this one, did that make this one even worse? Because there are moments that I forgot that they lingered that I mentioned in the first one. And I won't spoil until we get to the spoiler section how it happens Terrifier 2. But there was a spot where I was kind of struggling with gun violence. And I was like, well, it's weird because I don't have that issue in action films. And then I thought, well, I mean, I guess it's because in slashers, you know, that's just too easy. So they usually don't use it. Or if they do, it's something like uh maniac with Joe Spinell, because that's not test necessarily a slasher. That's this horrible psychological study. And when I say horrible, I mean, he's a horrible character. I, I think the film is great. So you don't. But then when I went back and was revisiting the first terrifier, I forgot he kills a character by shooting her like seven to 10 times and they like linger on that. So I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that did exist. And it's kind of uncomfortable there too. So but do you think that maybe that played a little bit of a factor though? The fact that
1: you've seen them so close, cause now that's three and a half hours almost of this. When I, when I saw terrifier two, I think I was about a a week and some days out from, from watching terrifier, but just to sort of bring it back. Um, I can see what they were going for. Like you mentioned maniac, um, Uh, obviously, you know, the beginning of both films in some ways have that sort of like Freddy setup where he's creating his weapon. It looks like Freddy Krueger or what have you. And there's a lot that is very similar between these films with Halloween as well. So clearly Leon loves his horror movies and he's paying homage, however you want to say it. The other thing that kind of made me a little nuts was that it still looks like, and and this is, this is where I, I I told you I needed to restrain myself. But some of it still looks like bad B-roll from like an adult film. Like it just, mm, yeah. it's, it, it's not when that, when they get to the dialogue talking, the act, some of the actors are not great. Nah, and the there's way a that, lot of rough acting in this and The way that the, the way, oh my God, that mom, first of all. Like I I turned to Scott and I was like, mom of the fucking year. I hate her. Kill her. Anyway. um, And it's a shame
0: too, because like the writing wise, I was just like, there's a spot where she puts out a fire and I'm like, Hey, go mom. But then it's just the acting of it was just so grating. And I'm like, I, I agree with her, but you're somehow, which maybe that was the point making me not want to agree with her. But like in her defense, I'm like, well, yeah, her kids are kind of being shit right now, even if they have every right to be, and she's gone through just as much hell. But I'm like, the acting was I the one time I went to use the restroom I think I chose the best scene was after the fire and her she's having that like argument with her daughter I
1: think I chose the right moment to use the restroom because I feel yeah. that was probably the most painful scene in the film oh yeah you definitely did but like the way that he st- they staged the the dialogue I mean it's just it's so amateur like mm-hmm. you know if you're if you're gonna compose a a a, a, a visual scene of a dialogue happening, Right then, you shoot over the shoulder and you include the other person. But when you just have the one person and then cut to the next person, I mean, it almost feels like they weren't in the same room when they were doing the scenes. Which I know that It'd be movies possible. do this; it's very possible. But it just has that horrible amateur feel. And what again, I I I feel bad by saying that because mm, that's I mean, that's there, a fair criticism. But there are some really gorgeous camera moves. That happened throughout the movie, and I kept thinking to myself, why didn't they put any of that ingenuity into some of the dialogue scenes? I mean, a camera doesn't have to be stationary for a dialogue scene, and especially for a horror film, right? Mm -hmm. As a cinematographer, jump the line. Make us feel uneasy when they're talking or they're screaming or they're doing something. Like, do it. Um, uh, Jumping the line is uh, is a cut to like the other side of the frame than what normally would happen if anybody wants to know what jumping the line is um but uh it it just everything looks so amateur and terrible like i just yeah and i know it's low budget right like so when i came out of this a couple a couple things i thought about were one roger ebert's famous review of the hitcher which (laughs) he used the word sadomasochistic which i didn't know what that meant as a kid so i had to look it up um And so I had the same feeling. I'm like, Damien Leone's whole entire theme is sadomasochism, right? How can this be a litmus test for audiences? Can you keep watching? Can you avert your eyes or whatever? And I don't know that that's entertainment anymore for me, for Mm me. That's fair. Um, One thing that I wanted to question, because I was thinking about this as
0: well, is – you had discussed with Troy tremendously on the episode of Smile about jump scares, because that's another thing that is always very polarizing in the horror community. It's something I used to really hate. I'm coming around to it because I think as they didn't smile, if you do it correctly, it can work. And I, in the case of Smile especially, I feel that it will work on subsequent revisits because the jump scare is complemented by tension pretty much telling you this jump scare is scum- coming brace yourself, which creates a sense of terror as opposed to just a character's walking and out comes something, you know, something you would see on YouTube, those you know, screamer videos where it's like, well, of course, I didn't see it coming, so that's it's cheap. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about this film. And we're gonna get to one scene in particular where I did feel terrible and I thought, is this a different way of doing terror though? Because if the whole goal of a film or a horror movie is to scare you, well being grossed out or you know offended by mutilations or whatever can be a form of terror it can also be just as somebody would argue with a jump scare very cheap and that's where even since i've seen this film and i'm thinking of other movies I, Derek becomes that struggle. And I, I, you have brought up hostile on that. And I was going to bring up to you the Saw franchise, because we both really enjoy that franchise. I know you especially. And I'm thinking about are some of the reactions to Terrifier 2, and I guess even the first one, similar to what people label the Saw movies as, is just torture porn. And that even though there's a storyline and all that, you're really just there to see the traps. And yes, you are there to see the traps, but there is tension that goes with them and claustrophobia if those were just traps on their own, or like in this case, just gore, and do I compliment it and say, Hey, you did something that no movie really does and grossed me out and made me f- still made me feel something? Or do I say, well, this is just now cheap? Because of course, if you go as far as you did in this movie, that the human side of me might eventually go, Yeah, this is wrong. And then if you don't get somebody doing that and they just say it's awesome, that doesn't mean they're a horrible person. They just still know that this is fake. And then well, then you're not pulling off horror because you're not succeeding in freaking somebody out. So where do you fall? Because you already kind of touched upon this, but where do you fall on this idea that gore itself and grossness can be horrific? Do you still feel that it needs the extra tension to go with it like a soft film does? And is that why maybe Terrifier 2? And I would even say the first Terrifier maybe stumbles because it doesn't
1: have that. So the other thing that I thought about when I left, which is similar to what you are saying, and and part of the reason why I also preface this by saying that horror movies sometimes can be pretty much critic proof and approached in different ways and for different reasons, right? Uh, what I thought, my other immediate thought when I left the theater was, imagine somebody watching The Hills Have Eyes or last house on the left not to use Craven he's a great example but imagine seeing that at our age right um or or younger okay um and just thinking oh my god it's it's cheap looking it's awful all they did all they wanted to do was just shock us but then later we go back and we finally see after Craven has done other films well gee he really put some thought into, the tension, the psychology, and all of those things. And so my immediate thought about this film was, this probably is not made for my generation. <laughs> but I think that there is a there is a younger generation that's going to look at this and see the reactions of people like us, older people like us, and they're going to be reacting the same way that they did to The Last House on the Left or... Um, The Hills Have Eyes and being like, wow, that was brutal. That was scary. That was awful. And then later, maybe they'll rediscover some of the storyline or some of the beats or what have you about it and have a greater appreciation of it. And so I think this might be, you know, ground zero maybe for like a new, new horror, which, you know, I mean, I think, I think when the when the torture porn horror films ended, there was a lot of like, well, where do we go now? Because that was already post-Scream, it was post-self-referential, it was, um, uh, you know, like a new form of horror. And after that, then we started to get the more intellectual horror, like The Babadook and and some of the other um, horror movies that have come up now, and even Smile, which is really more, it's about trauma while it still has the visceralness of like a horror film. And maybe Terrifier 2 is a a way of bringing us back to something that is maybe not so much, I mean, to be sure there are notions of trauma here in this story, which we'll get to, um, but I think maybe bringing us back to a Halloween slasher where maybe they don't explain everything and there's a lot of violence, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think... It didn't work for me, but it's clearly working for a lot of people. And a lot of people are really excited about this. And I think my only concern is, is is this going to be, is this going to touch off a wave of, you know, horror films that are just like blood and guts with no meaning and no plot. But isn't that always the story? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. Like I think we always have these kinds of movies. I mean, just pull up Netflix and and or speak into your Comcast remote horror, and then you get films like this that never went to the theater and they're mindless and they have all the gore. This one just happens to be a very popular one. Um, I don't know. It just it it didn't work for me. But again, maybe it's maybe it's I'm not the demographic. No,
0: but you know I also because you had mentioned that to me in a text as well. And I can see where your fear is coming from, because even though this is an independent film, it's catching on theatrically. So if you're going to get imitators, no matter what, but if this starts being the norm in the mainstream and the big releases, and then the big shutter releases, you know, are we going to lose sight because horror, I mean, all film does it, but horror especially. I mean, that was a big complaint against slashers in the early 80s and wasn't something that when I finally got into horror even really took notice to because I was just like, yeah, I'm finally going to see these movies until I started digging in. I was like, yeah, there was like a four-year stretch there from like seven, like 80, we'll say 80, like 79, 80 to like 82, 83, 84 where pretty much every horror film seemed to have some kind of a slasher bent. Yes, yeah. there was the occasional one that didn't, but if you were a horror fan and you didn't like slashers and or specifically the way that maybe the friday 13th and that were taking it you were kind of shit out of luck then for a little while right thankfully i think we are in a a different age where well one even if that happened again we have access to so many classic horror films and just films in general but i think we're still going to have your a24s and whatnot having their own version of uh more like you said, intelligent horror, just more thought-provoking and maybe more ghost stories because the conjurings are big. But but that does bring something up. Uh especially because you had mentioned about like last house and the left and that. And it the downside and maybe the plus uh to doing a movie when it's brand new is we don't have hindsight. So we haven't been able to go back and watch Terrifier Two, but even as somebody who's coming away saying, I still like this film as much as you can like a film like this. And the first one, I do feel it's big struggle is that it doesn't really have that tension. All of the the slasher elements to, to your point, or like it, it does feel like homage, but it doesn't really feel like, yes, there's characters here and there's some trauma, but the trauma is not, in my opinion, handled all that well. Or interestingly, it right. just feels like it's there because we, I need to have a plot because that probably was the one thing that he took to heart was everybody saying, well, you don't really have a plot much in the first film. Like, cause you're kind of, yeah. you're tricking us a bit cause you're thinking he's going to follow these two girls for your entire film, but then surprise, surprise, you had Janet lead them and yeah, sold their vaginas and had the whole body in half <laughs> and then
1: shot the other one. So then it's, uh, so well, yeah, actually, it, I mean, this one, I think this one, you know, it, it, if you ask me it's ripping it's in a way it rips off halloween. Oh yeah, 100%. You know, just completely. I mean, uh but also the uh, injecting some of these elements about you know her connection to art and and who this little scary girl is and what's going on just it I'm sure it's going to go somewhere in three, but then again, we said that about Halloween kills and Halloween ends, and it went nowhere. Um, but, uh, you know, if there is a terrifier, I think there is going to be a terrifier three, but oh, if there he's going definitely to, will be at this point. If he's going to connect the dots in three, he better connect them well, because in this one, it just is all illogical. And quite frankly, at the end of it, I don't care to see what happens to some of these characters and that's a that's a big downfall for your for your series is if you don't care what's going to happen with them
0: and that's a perfect thing too because harry had brought that up i believe when he came on here for halloween ends but also when we did the death when i was on there for the death by dvd ranking all of the entire halloween franchise and he had said that he's not a fan of slasher movies where you don't like any of the characters because he's like i don't want to just see people die i want to care about them and i'm not going to say that the, all the performance was bad. I actually thought the uh, the main actress. What was her name again? She played. I think her. Character, Lauren Livera. La, I liked her. I could see her. You know, uh, having a good career after this. I didn't like the brother. I thought he the little kid. He's he got on my nerves.
1: Oh, uh, I kind of liked him. I thought he. I well, thought he was. When he, he got better, he, he started get annoying. He I will better. say
0: that he did get better. I was going to say once he started getting—I don't want to say attack, but once, once the shit hits the fan and he had to take things seriously, where he could once stop he was
1: being victimized.
0: Yeah, victimized. I don't want to say it that way, but like <laughs> basically, when he had to not be your stereotypical annoying little kid, which is yeah. not his fault. He's just doing his job in that moment. Uh, and even then, they're trying to touch upon him being obsessed with like serial killers, and that, that just doesn't really go anywhere either. I don't feel. I don't feel that the third one's actually going to connect many of the dots. I think it's just going to go the Don Mancini cult of Chucky and the subsequent Chucky series way of, well, okay. He actually connects the dots, but of the, we're just going to keep going crazier and crazier with us because we'll get to it. But the mid credit scene makes me think, yeah, this shit's getting really weird in the next one, which might work. Cause then if it gets weirder in a supernatural bent, he might have to restrain himself with the more
1: slashing elements but- I doubt it. I, I do, I've only seen a few Damien Leone movies, and I know that Restraint is not...
0: True. But what I'm saying <laughs> is he's not going to restrain himself when those moments come, but if he's going to have more supernatural bits that he's going to also include, he's going to have to split them 50-50. So you're not yeah. going to have this onslaught, and hopefully... I mean, I know people liked it, but hopefully somebody or something, dude, not two hours and 18 minutes. Maybe this is why directors should not be their own editors because you need somebody uh, to go in there. Yes, and, and you know what? And it's funny. I'm saying this because Quentin Tarantino does have an editor, and I love Quentin Tarantino, but even he has a problem, especially now with his movies going a little bit too long. And he's always been a director who had longer films, but there are sometimes in some of these films, including Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Django Unchained, where I'm like – some of these scenes could either not exist or you could trim them down. dude.
1: <laughs> so a couple, two more things and then we're going to get to our two more things and then we'll get to our verdict. But one um, you know, Sally Menke's God bless her. She was Quentin's uh, editor. Okay. Um, she passed away, unfortunately. And then ever since the ending has not been as great,
0: which is um, probably true as well, because I yeah. think back to like what Pulp Fiction, uh, Jackie Brown, his Kill Bill films that are also long, but they don't, feel it as much they feel tighter
1: they don't but the newer ones without sally yeah yeah. but um but uh, the other the point that i was going to make was that again this is uh, i mentioned the hubris of of damien leone and it's you know it's either passion if you look at it one way or it's hubris in the other way and i think he really is fashioning himself as as a quentin tarantino of horror Mm. okay and then the second thing i wanted to point out was That, um, I'm looking right at you MPAA because I can't have erect penises in my films, but I can have women having their vaginas sawed off and heads taken off.
0: Well, hold up. a 2nd I'm going to cut you off here. You can't blame the MPAA. These are both unrated. They never went to the MPAA.
1: Oh, is that right? I thought it was. Yep. Oh, for some and reason you know I what? I am rated glad, R. I apologize. I am glad that you brought that up because I almost forgot to bring this up. I let's still. It call should that. be an NC-17. Yeah, but well, let's. Call I, I thought out, it was rated R, but let's call out
0: this bullshit uh, rating system and the way the theaters operate. Because even today, if a movie gets NC-17, it's not going to play in most theaters. It's not going to play play in your Regals. But if it's right. unrated and you get all this shit in it, they're fine with showing it. That's bullshit.
1: Yeah, I know it's bullshit. That's a I, you complete know, wa- double standard. I walked out of it and I was like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I can't have gay men kissing and, and you know, erect penises, but I can watch a woman's head being taken off. I can watch, you know, a vaginas being hacksawed. Um, for some reason I thought this was rated R, but you're I think you're right. I think it is not yeah, rated, the, but, no but still way in hell this would get an R. Well, oh. no,
0: no way in hell this would. The only reason I feel, even though it's not as extreme, the Evil Dead remake, which really pushed limits, was able to get an R rating, was because uh Sam Raimi and some top producers were there. Cause Matt Stone and Trey Parker said it themselves. They still had issues when it came to South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, but it wasn't as bad as when they had to make their own independent movies like Orgasm and Cannibal the Musical. If you have a studio behind you, you can get a little bit bit more out of the MPAA than you would as an independent. And we could be here all day. That should be a bonus episode of us just yeah. shitting on the MPAA. I did a presentation in college about why the MPAA is horseshit.
1: I know the MPAA is total horseshit. And by the way, I will tell you that um, there were under 18s at my viewing. Yes, um, that's that. Um, and it's like, what the fuck? You yeah, know, because I
0: know it's unrated, but the the protocol should be then to treat it like NC-17. Though Mm -hmm. to be fair, I I also feel like if it was NC 17, those theaters probably. Though, are you certain that they were uh, under 17? Because okay, they looked really young. The only reason I'm saying this (laughs) because I'm starting to get this old guy now. Apparently, because I was at a gas station the other day, uh, a sheets for all you locals. And as I was waiting, sheets. Yeah. So as I was waiting for the food uh, to come out, because they have the little kitchens. Um, these two, I thought they were like 10 or 11 at most, but I saw them pull up in a car driving and then came out. And when they were talking, they were clearly past puberty with their voices and they were probably only like 16, 17, but I was just going like, they're, they're 10, right? Like what's going, how, yeah. did you, how did you I see know. a car? Like, I'm like, what is this where I'm at now? I can't understand what a, a high schooler. is.
1: I know Sam, Sammy's son is like, is like the rock. He's like a giant. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Not even 15. So yeah. it's like,
0: well, you know what? Well, My, uh, my nephews are, are very similar in that, but I also have at least grown up with them or watched them grow up. So I have that mental capacity to know their age. If you know, it's just but anyway, the, the point
1: I will, is... I, I will also say this. I will also say this. Out of the 20 people that were in my screening, I think about eight of them midway through were on their phones the whole time, mm. the rest of the film. And with that, I will give you my verdict.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, I should also say when I saw this. Uh, if you didn't see the post a couple weeks ago, I went uh, to a theater at one ten PM on a Monday and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to have the theater myself. <laughs> one other dude showed up and we just sat there. We never said anything like we never really, re- I mean, I think we reacted a bit, but then he just left.
1: <laughs> so there you and go. then the lights went on and you guys scurried. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so my verdict, my verdict is um, it's a hard skip. I, I love, the, I love the term hard watch. This is a hard skip. It is. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan.
0: <laughs> it's for me. It's a soft watch, which I would probably say the same thing with the first. But I will say the first is better, just because it's much tighter and does have a unique, uh, visual style to it that actually creates tension where this one lacking. But considering what this film was attempting to do and just being this balls out, gross out slasher, and having some really and also, Arthur Clown is so ex- expressful and is just you can't look away whenever he's on screen. I'm going to still give this a soft watch.
1: And before we head into the spoiler section, I do want to mention David Howard Thornton. He mm-hmm. he is pretty fantastic as Arthur the Clown. Um he he is menacing, he is freakish, he's got the body language down. He's got he's got it all down. It's it's uh he really for lack of a better term, fleshes out the character. Um, in this. Uh, he does and, it
0: for quite a few, unfortunately.
1: Characters. Yeah, and he does a, uh, he, he's, He's really great, actually. And seeing him out of the makeup, I'm like, that's what you look like. Like I was just, it's a, it's like a 180. And I'm not
0: surprised to find this out because it always seems to be the case. He's apparently one of the nicest men, which almost always seems to be the case. And most of the times in wrestling, when you had the heels, they're usually the nice guys. And it's the people who are faces that tend to be assholes. Same with movies. It's always the ones who play your Jasons that are usually kind hearted souls. And it's usually the one who's playing like the, the princess or the angel. That's like a, a, a bitch or an asshole like oh it's that you know nice nerdy guy oh no he's actually an asshole in real life <laughs> you know
1: somebody was on um the talk scary to me podcast uh danielle harris and uh scout taylor compton um who's a huge giant who's who's gorgeous and sexy and Tyler seems Mayne. really menacing yes yes that's him. he played michael knows too seems also really menacing professor. and yet so nice i know i know that's why i was going to bring him up but um yeah, yeah i love that dude he's gorgeous okay so uh if you have not seen terrifier 2 and I'm telling you don't (laughs) but but if you haven't seen it you're gonna want to turn us off because we are heading into spoilers spoiler territory and here we go um first of all I will say this David Howard Howard Thornton has a hot butt and I'm just gonna say thank you at least for letting us see your ass um anyway (laughs) But uh, okay, I'm I'm dying to know. You're talking about when she gets killed. the The woman, Allie, is that is it Allie? It, it, was, it was the one friend, correct? Yes, and then okay, he comes yeah, in I with figured. the bleach and the salt. Okay,
0: yeah. So I'm gonna spell yeah. this one out. So he <laughs> he comes in and he starts kind of like slashing her up. He starts breaking her bones. Which it was funny when I was at the Horathon, the 24 Horathon, and they ended with the descent. They have a scene where the bones sticking out. Yeah, uh, yeah, in yeah. that film too and I was like oh god because I, I can't stand that stuff and I was just like what did I watch recently right when I am like oh my god terrifying till <laughs> as I'm watching this and he is just basically whipping her and like breaking every bone and it's lingering and she's just crying and crawling Ugh. I legit was thinking in my head I'm not being facetious or trying to be funny I legit was like Jesus, what are you gonna do pour salt in her wounds the motherfucker leaves the room and yes. comes back with salt and like you said like iodine and just starts pouring it in I'm
1: like holy it was shit bleach. dude it was, it was bleach, bleach. Was, and then bleach. salt. And then he's like rubbing it in there. Oh my yeah, God. And, that was and crazy. Where,
0: and this is where it gets worse because then you think it, it cuts away. You, you think he killed her. The mom comes in. She is. He's like pinned her up in the bed. Basically is ripped off body parts. They still show that she's still alive. I'm like, dude, I know put her out of the misery. And then
1: I know. It, and that was the, so that scene, I was like, okay, this is the one everybody has to be talking about. And, and sure enough, it, it's it's just so brutal and mean-spirited and awful. And,
0: and this is the one that made me question where can this be a version of terror? Because I am sitting here going, dude, I feel terrible, shame. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, This isn't something you get from a slasher because it's usually, even when it's trying to be realistic, always has a cartoonish vibe and a lot of the other kills actually the kill immediately after this where he decapitates the mother then and then uses her head as like a -a trick-or-treat bowl that tanned out that's so absurd that it flies in the face of what that thing was before it that to me that's like okay it's gross but it's so absurd that it's dark comedy and that's where a lot of this film resides but to your point it goes between the both and unlike something like Deranged where that's a film that was loosely well was loosely based on Ed Gein, they pretty much were telling you it was Ed Gein without saying Ed Gein, but like that starts out as this weird comedy, but then it goes into like the really grim him trapping women and shit, but it worked because it's lulling you into that and then doing it. This is just going back and forth. And I'm like, you're just doing this because you want to do it. So that's where I had that struggle of like, what do I commend this though? Or do I just go, this isn't for me?
1: Uh, Well, is the, I mean, I hate to say this, but, could that very well be a product of of just social media and our access to everything and the yeah. and everything is on the internet because you know like uh not to go back to craven but you know last house on the left and and the hills have eyes one of the reasons why it was so polarizing and controversial was that you didn't see that shit on screen mm-hmm. right but now yeah, you can see eviscerations and and yeah. gore and and actual real executions or on the internet. Even you know better because compa- you
0: bring up Last House on the Left, another uh, rape revenge type movie like that. I spit on your grave, where yeah. it shows the rape in horrifying detail. And I, some <laughs> when I was maybe fourteen or fifteen, again we'll say FYA didn't give a shit, even though my dad was there. But still, some I don't think they knew what I was buying because he's like, yeah, all right, I I'll buy I spit on your grave. Um, <laughs> I was like, what? And, but that was like a turning point for me. Cause I wasn't like, what the fuck this is insane. I was like, what the, cause I had seen last house on the left. And even I was like, dude, what the fuck? This is uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, and, and there's the argument to be made in that film of, well, showing it is showing the uncomfortability meaning reversible at the same thing. But then you come to this like, well, you could also not show it and still imply. It and it's just as terrifying because I'm a human being that knows, you know, rape is terrible. But yeah, I think 100% with the sense I, desensitization of social media, but even before that of just, this is where some people had that fear with slasher movies and that, where if you keep showing more and more gore, eventually you're going to have to keep going up and up and up that ladder. And you're going to get to this spot where it's just, it's very mean spirited. It's cruel. It it makes you feel uncomfortable. And in one aspect, maybe that's, I hate to say it a good thing, because with slashers, we do go for these cartoonish kills, And here it's like, well, I mean, this, I don't think this is realistic. I don't, but obviously not. I don't think you could do this to a human body without some kind of superhuman strength, but still like making you feel uncomfortable. But it's, it's at a weird, especially when you juxtapose it right against how he kills the mother and then does it in a cartoonish way. It's, it's, it's troubling, but it's, I don't know. It's, so it's interesting that you brought up,
1: it's interesting that you brought up irreversible because that movie, is, uh, for the listeners at home, um, Gaspar Noé's Irreversible is the story of a couple um, who goes through an incident or a trauma that essentially separates them, but it's told in reverse. And there is some very, very graphic, unflinching violence um, in that film that subjects the viewer to just the ugliness of violence and terror. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because on the one hand, you know, no way has a point in, in showing that brutality here. I was struggling to figure out what maybe, and maybe the fact that there isn't a point is the point, Yeah, but I think a film still has to have some sort of redeeming entertainment quality. And I was struggling to find it after seeing this in this film, in this film.
0: Yeah, I can. and, And you know, it's another interesting one. Uh, and I brought up the guns earlier where there's a scene in it's comical where, and it's a nightmare sequence, but art starts mowing down the audience members in his public access show with the Tommy gun. And oh for whatever God. reason, I think it comes down to the fact that we also just don't see this in slashers. It's like, it did feel weird. And I'm like, it's still weird to me coming out of that. I'm like that. This made me uncomfortable because I could see the exact same thing in an action movie like back in the seventies and eighties, a lot of the stuff that we, we love, but it's And in, in that scene, it is, I mean, yeah, there's some terror because, you know, the, the protagonist is afraid, but it's done in such a comical fashion that you could still argue it's no different than their 70s and 80s movies. But why is it bothering me here? I mean, obviously, getting older, well, and I think seeing a lot of the reality of, you know, what's around us. But even then, I, I can usually differentiate between the two. And
1: there were times where I was struggling with this. Yeah, I'm not even going to say it straddles the line. It obliterates the line. Mm-hmm. Like... I mean, you're right. It just, it just, it makes you think of those school shootings, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're supposed to be in a family atmosphere. Come on down to the clown cafe where the food is, you know, whatever. And then he like mows them all down and shoots them and it's graphic and the kids are dead. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah. And, and I
0: know the kids, I mean, there's one kid that's chewing on glass. That's an actual child and he does yeah. get shot too. But like the other kids are like, are like 20 old. <laughs> or 20 year olds playing kids. <laughs> right. So that juxtaposition kind of works, but yeah, and then there's one other scene because we're talking about kids. Uh, so the, the 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 brother, he is abducted by Art the Clown so he can get the the girl to come to the. What I thought I, I'm always a sucker for any kind of like carnival funhouse setting. I just it tickles a funny uh, a funny bone in me. No pun intended, or no, screw that. All pun intended.
1: <laughs> but well, it's, actually, but hold that thought. It's it's interesting because that you know the whole carnival setting or whatever. I don't think that that's inherently scary, but there are movies and movies through history that have made that start to be an mm-hmm. uneasy place to be. Oh, right, I, and especially I love like going to house.
0: them, but movies have made me also. I'm always afraid, especially. I remember uh, when I was a teenager and I went with my friend and his family to Virginia Beach, and we went to one of those boardwalk haunted houses. You walked through this one, and. For whatever reason, we we didn't realize where the exit was. It was like because it's a pretty big one, so it's like a little bit further down. You don't just come out from the entrance again. Yeah. So we never saw the people come out. So I legit thought, well, shit, what happens if somebody's in there and abducts us or whatever? So I already went in, freaking myself out, and then my claustrophobia (laughs) kicked in because you couldn't really see and you. Because at least when you're sitting down, like at the one in Baltimore, I'm like, all right, I'm just I'm a passive observer on this in this kitschy one. But yeah, I I I put that to a lot of movies too because that's always the thing you go into this innocent funhouse, but oh. Oh, somebody's actually there and there, you know, because you're yeah. going to assume that it's a person, uh, let's take a Hellfest; you're going to assume it's part of the act, but the slasher is actually real. Like that's, that's a terrifying thing if you're faced with it in reality.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's get into, let's get into some of the, now that we're in the spoiler section, building this whole sort of mythology. I thought they were going to come out with the fact that art, the clown was their dad. Which I thought so,
0: too. And actually, <laughs> uh, I, I almost forgot the point I was going to make just before oh, we yeah. get to that was the other moment that made me feel really uncomfortable was so the the brother gets abducted and we see a scene where he is being whipped by art, the clown, and that oh lingers. You see the marks on the back. Yeah. Um, I, I actually saw a critic who did actually like the film and give it a positive review, but even he said that took it a little bit too far because it was like, dude, it's like we're watching Passion of the Christ with a kid. Like what's what's going on here? And that's, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm becoming too soft now, but that moment to me, especially considering like he, I mean, yeah, he killed the one kid earlier, but like he abducted the kid and wasn't really doing much with him for a long while. And out of nowhere, he's like, all right, I'm going to whip the kid now. I'm like, dude, what the fuck?
1: And then we also, I mean- uh, they made it a point to show us what's on that fucking whip so we yeah. know when he's getting when he's getting it he's getting it and like yeah. but again i i feel like his damien leone's point is the sort of juxtaposition of images that shouldn't be together right yeah. so and we shouldn't also, have
0: oh, keep going sorry. go ahead no, I was going to say, and also just we, we seem to accept that when it's teenagers, but you make it a little bit younger. I mean, let's bring up Wes Craven again, The Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Freddie, I mean, they always hinted at it, but it was going to be more blatant in the original that he was a. Child molester because yeah. it's a terrifying thing, but they switched it up and he was just a child killer. And then even though he was a child killer, he's not focusing on children's dreams as much as teenagers' dreams because it's more accessible for us to accept teenagers dying because they're closer to adults than obviously a child is. So I think that's also the point here too. Because I mean, granted, I'm also saying that the other scene that made me uncomfortable involved a teenager, but
1: yeah, I, I think he might have a point there, but. But so the father, if I get this right, and, and again the timing was really weird. So we have our two, we have our two leads. Um, uh, Sienna is the protagonist who ends up becoming this almost avenging angel slash wonder woman with a sword who is maybe fated to take down art, the clown. These are some of the things that the, the script was sort of intimating at or hinting at, but apparently their father had committed suicide. I think that came out. Yeah. Um, But his father kept a sketchbook and in the sketchbook, he was drawing things like art, the clown. He, he, maybe was drawing the little scary girl. I can't remember that salient I, point. I
0: feel like he was, uh, maybe we're putting that in, but at seems one point,
1: because I felt like that was the other revelation.
0: And maybe that's why they could see the little girl was that. And, and I guess I also kind of thought it was the intimation that somehow. Art was stalking him because even though art goes after teenagers, he goes after anyone, he goes after adults. Right. Then. So was it even a suicide or was, I don't know how considering what art does i don't know how you could frame his slashings as suicide so i guess that wasn't really hold up cuz he doesn't just cut you quick he he lingers
1: yeah um so there's this sketchbook that the little boy sort of hides away from the rest of the family and he's sort of poring over these sketches and then he makes these connections between Arthur the clown and these murders and somehow his father may so It's not entirely clear, but his father maybe envisioned them or had visions about them. Um, Also, why are you drawing your daughter like one of these sexed-up Frank Frazetta like yeah, warriors that's that's that was really a little weird. bizarre right a little that's very bizarre that's yeah that's and a it, creepy way of sexualizing your daughter what the and fuck like, as and as the movie goes through it's sort of like oh he drew me like a superhero no he drew you like a tits out vampirella yeah. like medieval and that was creepy the like, mom even calls that out she goes that's i know very revealing <laughs> she's like, like that's yeah exactly um so some of that was super fucking bizarre and then I, I swear to God, I swear to God, they they are going to go in the third movie that she's related to Arthur Clown somehow. Probably. Um, but, but then they go into this shenanigans about like the sword, almost like Excalibur in a way. It burns up, but then it survives and she pulls it out and then mm-hmm. she uses it to vanquish art. And I just, all of those injections into this story... It, it, none of it made sense, and it was dumb. Yeah. Also, how long does Molly last? Because she goes on ecstasy, and I swear to God, they were going to go to this point where her and the girl were going to start making out. Because mm-hmm. when they're talking about like being on ecstasy and being high, I thought at some point they were going to be like, "I love you," and then they were we were going to have a lesbian makeout scene, and then it didn't happen. But like, how long does Molly last? Because she snaps out of it pretty quickly when. <laughs> are the clowns abducting people.
0: But also, can we just (laughs) say how shit that friend is to- to drug her friend because oh you're stressed out like god forbid like seriously you just heard that her brother is probably missing go fuck yourself with this oh you need to be shit, this right. is me becoming an adult now i'm like i was kind of hoping because they even had her boyfriend that they just made even he was kind of calling her out but then he like pulled back i'm like no i was kind to of hope but he just flat out called her out for being a, a bitch like who drugs their friend you know, especially if you don't know their medical history, like that's, no, yeah. no, sorry.
1: Uh, that, also that was excessive too. the boy, the boy being stabbed multiple times in the crotch with the yeah. knife and then having the bloody penis stamped on the window. I was like, yeah. what, what am I
0: watching? So I don't know. It's also that matter of, we saw the badge saw in the first one. So I was like, one, it's sure, opportunity, why not? But we two, see the I'm penis. also like at this point, even by that point in the film, you've kind of become numb to the stuff. And you know, there's You had brought up maybe no point is the point, and there's a part of me that wants to say maybe there is a point that Damien Looney is making because since there's so much shit being thrown against the wall, one of the things that I don't like in a lot of horror franchises is the thing that really started to hurt uh, the Halloween when they had to keep going back to Michael was trying to explain the evil when the evil is terrifying because you don't have an explanation. So you start doing thorn cult shit. So it's like, which is why the first terrifier worked. worked. Yes. And there was no explanation. You you didn't need it. And there's a part of me that's going, well, maybe he's just trying to make a commentary on that by just going really over the fucking top with it. But I also feel like I'm just projecting a lot of that on there because I just maybe hindsight will learn more, but I don't get that vibe from Leonie. I think he's just, which is fine, but I think he's just trying to make a, you know, yeah, like you said, a Horsher Gordon Lewis gore fest, slasher homage and i think he almost feels like he probably has to do world building because that's one of the other things i've seen a lot of people complimenting the film on was and it didn't seem like they were complimenting as they liked it but just the fact that world building existed and i'm like well you, you need to have a point to it and and even though the first one doesn't really have much of a plot that does work like sometimes the first halloween i mean has a little bit more of a plot but the reason it's so scary is it's so simple you have this kid who went insane he breaks out he's going back to his home. He, And that's why I like the fact that Lori stopped being his sister again, because it's terrifying that he just latched on to this woman because she had him to be there at the wrong spot. And now he's just stalking her. That's terrifying. That, that is scary. You don't need to tell me more.
1: So one of the other things that also worked about the first film was, um, art stalking art being scary. Um, no, no motives, no motivations, no explanations, but also that kind of like really cool wraparound, um chronological narrative mm-hmm. um where you know it opens with the disfigured woman kill, um attacking the person and then you find out that the survivor is the disfigured woman there's none of that sort of aha brilliance in this one no. and it's ending well i don't is, actually think it was brilliant that much at the first i thought it was well i mean okay I maybe, know maybe saying, brilliance though. is the wrong but I create, liked, I liked that aspect of it that they sort of wrapped it around like that. Like, oh, okay. I, I having like a that. unique narrative. Be, yeah, I think go. it's, yeah, there yeah. we go. I, I think I can agree yeah. with that. But with this one, there, there's no such. And, and that ending where she gives birth to his head or, yes. or what? I don't, what? Yeah.
0: I guess, because I had kind of forgotten about it in the end of the first one that, yeah, he, he was, I mean, he, well, they even hinted at the beginning of this one where he, he did blow his brains out. And then in this one, you just see those shrapnels. So I guess they already were hinting at the rebirth, but it, that's why I feel the third one is going to go so weird and supernatural. And I made the cult of Chucky reference and like the Chucky series. So that's like, oh, he's, you know, in, you know, somehow transferring his soul to multiple dolls. This one's going to be like, not only can he rebirth himself, but he can birth out other babies and other children.
1: Oh my and
0: god. That's why I'm thinking it's <laughs> gonna be a shit show in one aspect, but if he's gonna get so crazy with some of that mythology, but then again, I don't know because he's also throwing a lot of weird imagery in this and he still lingers on a lot of the slashing. So it's God, the next <laughs>
1: next one's probably gonna be three fucking hours, isn't it? And for the record, uh Damien Leone is no Don Mancini. And, and no, no, and no, 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 no. I have to say that season two of Chucky is so amazing and so wonderful and so brilliant. Um, And 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 I use brilliant in the right sense.
0: (laughs) I agree. And just to give a quick shout out to that, because the one thing that I did criticize the first season was the, uh, the one of the teen uh, actors is brilliant. Uh, Alvin, uh, Olivia. She's the one that plays the main female in the show. I can't remember her name, but she comes from a soap opera background. She is phenomenal.
1: She's oh, even wait, better. Her, mom's than... on, her mom is on the show. Her yeah. real mom is on the show as well, oh, okay. right? Yes, yes. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I love her. Um, I like her. I think it's Olivia Van Lind. I think that's what it Alan, is. Alan, Aylin Wind? Wind. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. She's going to have a huge career. The
0: downside was she was so good that I thought the other two main protagonists were a little weaker. However, one's still stressing, but the, the main actor now, I don't know what the fuck has happened between season one and two. He's, he's gotten much better. In, he's coming into his own. He's more comfortable. I think maybe that relationship with her is probably helping, like working. But yeah, no, uh, I bring up the, the Chucky references because even though there are moments where I feel like they're just flying by the seat of their pants, one, that works with where they're going with the Chucky film or series and those movies. But two, I also, it's, they're doing a really good job of bringing everything back together. And it's just- Oh
1: my God. Just so it's wonderful. Also just it's
0: also just fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, listeners, if you haven't checked out the Chucky series, you, you must also the soundtrack is amazing. Oh, yeah, it is. Everything about it is wonderful. Don Mancini, we love you. We love you so much.
0: I love the <laughs> fact that that show is using the, cause the one thing with the Chucky series is that it's never had its own distinct score, which is kind of cool that each movie has its own. Like the first one almost has like an Italian Jallo theme to it. Yeah. But yeah. the second one always had my favorite score, uh, Grammy Ravel's, because it has this really creepy, like, mixture of industrial, but also playing up, like,
1: uh, ding, ding, toy ding, ding, box ding. toys. Like, and yeah. That's what they <laughs> go with in the series. I'm like, yes, because that's by far the best. Yeah. But, uh, wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. We digress. But yeah. um, what else? Uh, oh, yeah. I And bring so, and just, and so up. then the whole, like, so we get, um, I'm sorry, it's like screenwriting 101, right? Art dies, he comes back to life. And then Sienna dies, and she comes back to life. Yeah. So again, they're just doing this—I don't know—rebirth I, I and
0: rebirth and rebirth. I didn't yes. buy
1: any of that, and I just think none of it really works. Although Lauren Levere looks pretty fantastic in that outfit. I will. Yeah, say.
0: and you know what? I, I think she has uh, some good moxie to her, and I think she has a good screen presence. I, I could see her doing pretty well for herself i think out of the
1: entire cast she's definitely the best
0: yes and there are two cameos i'll give a shout out to uh, oh yes (laughs) tamara glenn i'm surprised she didn't get killed so for those who don't know even though it's the worst Halloween, well second worst halloween movie uh (laughs) she is one of the teens in halloween five and i think she did a couple other horror movies but she has kind of having gone to these conventions, like she's actually on social media and that and she seems like the sweetest person, very welcoming to fans. So now you have people like Damien Leone kind of putting her in the film. So she just has a really quick moment at a Halloween store where it's after art locks the place up and she's like, Oh, it's locked. We can't go anymore. And he kills the guy. But the other one, and I know it's the one you thought it was going to bring up is a professional wrestler. One of my all time favorites, Chris Jericho. And he gets the and credit. Like they're saying, Oh, you know, Chris Jericho's in this. And I said, I only used the restroom once. And it was during that scene with the the mother and the daughter talk. And I'm watching this movie. Watching it,
1: and I'm like, where the fuck is Chris Jericho? Oh, I did the same thing. The credits are rolling. And I'm like, wait, where was Chris Jericho? And
0: then it said Burke. And I'm like, who the fuck? I'm like, was Burke a clown? And right as I was thinking that, it cuts the mid-credit scene where it's in this hospital. And he's just the random like security guard, which yeah. is disappointing. But I mean, I guess if he comes back for Terrifier 3, he's going to get killed. But like knowing Jericho like I, I'm like there's no way he agreed to be in this and not like you know get makeup on so I just feel like that was a last minute thing where like they maybe he Jericho had him on his podcast or somehow they had connections and Jericho's like hey I'm free a day or two between wrestling and my band Fozzy because like I mean I like Jericho but he's not good in this I mean he's not really giving <laughs> much to do but he's just he is doing a pro wrestling promo which only really works in pro wrestling the way that you deliver those lines that's why i love pro wrestling Uh, it's such a unique art form where yes it's live theater and some of that stuff and you can transition to acting very well but i mean god when wwe was having guest hosts every week like they were snl when you would bring on people like jason sudeikis and that who are well seasoned with live theater stuff even they were struggling in front of that live audience because it's a different kind of audience you can't just rely on that same it's so unique but bringing that even into a movie like terrifier 2 and just delivering your lines like you're being interviewed in a wrestling promo was
1: odd yeah Very it was odd. odd he's still he's still kind of hot oh yeah um but did that did that mid-credit sequence did it give you kind of a um in the mouth of madness feel you
0: know what a little bit
1: yeah i, I so wonder now if I'm- he
0: was going for that or even more Well, yeah, probably that, because you don't really get the Halloween 2 vibes, because this is more almost like a mental insane asylum. Also, I guess a little bit Exorcist 3, but that's just because I really love that one. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So who knows? Maybe that's the direction he's going to go in. In 3, it's going to be like Cthulhu-esque. I don't don't
0: know. Yeah, I'd be. But then I feel like a lot of... People would buy just shit on it because it's not a, I mean, he could still do that and do the slashings and do whatever the hell he wants, but right. yeah, <laughs> but it was funny though. Cause I messaged my friend because she, you know, she's a wrestling fan as well. She actually had trained to be a wrestler for a while. And I had told her, you know, Chris, oh, wow. is all Chris Jericho's also in this. And I said at one point, I was like, Yeah, and I was like, where the fuck is he popping up? And I said, just to let you know it's the mid-credit scene. And I was like, I knew it couldn't be when I went to the restroom because it was just an argument between the mom and the daughter. And for those that don't know, Chris Jericho, one of his many gimmicks that he did in uh when he was in WB in around 2016, 2017, was he he would comically tell people that if you got on his nerves, you just made the list. Like he would just put people on the list and it got over. <laughs> so she said, Well, that was his cameo. He literally, in the middle of this argument, he just walks in her house, and goes, You just made the list and walks off i'm like Dude, that would have been better that would have been hilarious and that would have been a better usage of him. <laughs> is he referring to a shit list is that what he yeah, said so that's basically okay. what it was so he would mock <laughs> people and then he said it like i think he said it in a promo just off the cuff like well you just made the list but then the crowd took to it so he made like a fake list and he would like he would egg it on because he used to do a little bit of. I th- he always talked about how he would do stand up with like the upright citizens brigade. So he mm. would try to incorporate that. Uh, and this is after he became a wrestler. It's not beforehand. He just got to know some of the people, and he would like. So then he would like drag it out. So every time he would look at a person, he goes, "Oh, oh, you're going to say that to me, or oh, you're going to do this." You know what that means? He would like pull out his penny to click, 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 and he yeah. have a scarf, and he'd be like, "You just made the list." So it's. <laughs> he should have done that in this is what i'm saying because that would have been funnier and worked with the humor not just i mean he's not horrible in this it's just it's it's odd he's he stands out in the worst way in that yeah. mid-credit scene because it's just him talking about like an exposition dump that we already know about with the the woman the first victim in the first film and then art and all this but then he's also talking about how his wife has ma- it's his cheat day and she made all of these like Halloween snacks or whatever, and he's kind of yes. hitting. I guess he's not really hitting on the nurse, but you kind of feel like he's
1: going to eventually because you just expect. Get, it. get some of that brain jelly, that yeah. great brain jelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, well, my okay, I, think I can't maybe believe he
0: was, I'm. A... Who's trying to get a swag on? Oh, oh my, my <laughs> wife's brain
1: jelly. You like it? Yes. <laughs> oh, Chris jarko has a hot wife. What? um Okay, I can't believe I'm asking this best kill uh okay um <laughs> I mean I gotta tell you Ali and just just the ludicrousness of all of that and then yeah finally I mean, having like her sit up as she's all bones and flayed being like
0: oh. yeah it probably had to be that one because it's the same way with the vag it's the most memorable um yeah. the one that also shocked me I brought up uh gun the gun violence but he also blows the the main protagonist's mother, the the bad mother that we're saying about her head off with a shotgun blast through the car. And I almost thought at that point, I mean, it was kind of gruesome and made me think of maniac, but I was also like, <laughs> sounded terrible. I'm like, man, she kind of got off easy compared to some of these other people. I just saw that. Yeah. But then like when the kid to taunt the kid, when he comes home, he's like putting mashed potatoes in her like open head. Oh it's my just,
1: God.
0: Yeah. That, that was
1: kind of disgusting. Yeah. That was very disgusting.
0: Yeah, <laughs> That made me think kind of a dead alive, like a more extreme version of like the, the pudding and the, the blue. Yeah. Uh, but dead alive is a but, lot more fun.
1: <laughs> but you know, speaking of jump scares, um, Scooter turned to me and he was like, I knew he was in the car the whole time. And I, I didn't realize that. And when she wipes the thing and you see him, I leapt out of my chair. I was like, and then, (laughs) and then her head gets blown off or whatever. So there's a part of me that thought at the beginning that the little girl is like, uh, like, uh, like the, the ferryman at the river sticks. Like she's somehow shepherding him back from the dead into this world. Okay. Um, um, and maybe that's why
0: only certain characters, because the only ones that I recall being able to see her are the siblings. And now i Because they've about been it,
1: victimized by art.
0: Yeah. And, and a mixture of being made insane, maybe to his, but also were, were they, I, my memory is a little hazy now because there's so much in this movie, but were <laughs> yeah. they only starting to see her, after the rebirth or right around their rebirth because then that would maybe make sense that they were about to go into death and but i feel like they saw her a little bit before that
1: i i think they did see her before and and the brother saw her in the van
0: yeah that's right he did see her in the van yeah yeah okay, there
1: goes that fucking theory so i i think because then we later learn that she's a victim and but then you you wonder if 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 she is in fact like a, the ferryman or a harbinger, if mm-hmm. if we're going to use that term, why would one of the victims bring him back, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm saying a lot of it just doesn't fucking make sense. Yeah. And <laughs> you know,
0: yeah, so. it, it, it really just feels like, hey, I have this idea of having this creepy kid. Uh, we'll just throw it in there. We'll we'll see. It's kind of funny because we had talked about briefly uh we were talking about the halloween sequels in the thorn trilogy how and it's very funny with the fifth one it's so haphazardly thrown in there like the tattoo and that whole prison break scene and what's funny was when i was listening to the best movies never made and they were talking about those and the person who wrote the book the taking shape books had even said that they they were still thinking of doing the sixth one the the people on the fifth film Had no intention of coming back in the six. They're like, "What a way of just saying, oh, by the way,
1: here's some weird shit. Your
0: problem now." And that's kind of what it feels like. This, but it's like, Damien, I think you're coming back for Terrifier
1: three, so this is your problem still. Right, right. And then, you know, I got to tell you, I stuck around and I listened to that interview, um, the the stuff, um, the extras, Mm -hmm. and after we've been having all of this discussion, the. Granted, it was just a you know a 10 minute like uh uh electronic press kit interview thing. Yeah, but, but Leon Leone 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 seems to me like he really just wanted to do cool shit, cool, scary, gory shit, and then see what reactions he can get out of people because part of this interview, this press kit interview was there was uh, some people on a podcast. Maybe it's the Bloody Disgusting podcast, but they were talking to him. Yeah, they were talking to him. And all Leone wanted to know was, what did you think about this scene? Or how did you feel about that? Um, And then there were some behind the scenes about the murder with Ali. And what they had said was that the pandemic caused a pause in the production. Mm -hmm. And when they came back, they decided to add more and more to that death. I guess maybe because... You know, the assumption would be maybe they got more crowdfunding during the pandemic and then they could put more resources into it, which which may actually explain why some of the scenes have better camera moves than earlier ones. Mm -hmm. Maybe they got injected with more money after the pandemic. But again, I just got this sense that it was like, let's do this cool thing or let's do that cool thing. You know what I mean? Mm
0: Well, maybe Um, during the pandemic, he started reading more and doing more research on how to shoot shots. Yeah.
1: Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Sorry, uh, Damien. (laughs) Oh, and sorry, uh, George Stuber, the DP. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Actually, more apologies to you. I guess that does make more sense. Yeah. (laughs) But he also had producer duties and all those other duties too, right? So (laughs) anyway, any other further thoughts? Uh, No, I don't.
0: No, I don't think I do, because the only other death we didn't really talk about was just when the girl has acid thrown in her face and is brutally beaten with that nail bat, which
1: by the time that happened was just part for the course, really. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But again, like while that's happening, I'm like, okay, do we need to see the fourth hit? Do we need to see the fifth hit? Do we need to? And then doesn't he like rip open her body and pull Mm -hmm. her heart out? Oh, and eat it. Yeah, he does.
0: He also eats. I mean, that's why the girl in the, the first film, when she comes back, that's what. The, the cops find him doing he's eating her face that's why she's so mutilated
1: right and so i think they're going with the whole like i guess maybe maybe in the first movie he was rebirthed again and he was eating her face because that's what he has to do to make uh to uh equilibrate the coming back from the dead. Yeah, and
0: that's kind of why, because the the rebirth and that post credit scene in mid credits, it's that first victim, if I'm correct, isn't it? Because she was put the in insane asylum after gouging the person's eyes out. Or is it a different person? It was some no, that's, victim.
1: No, that's Vicky. I think that's Vicky. That is Vicky. Okay. I was right with that. Yeah, my, from the first thoughts. movie, the survivor so who is killed he like, the interviewer.
0: So now he she's probably is she doing the same thing with him? Like now they're feeding off of each other for it,
1: maybe I, she's I, the harbinger, like the little girl. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of what ifs, and I don't. Even though I am sitting here saying that I, I I have, I did like this and giving it a soft watch, it is with many caveats because there's a lot of shit thrown against the wall, and yeah, I was also getting that vibe a bit from that that post that kit yes some of it had to do with the bathroom but i stuck through the credits because i was like i'm curious to see the the behind the scenes i just the production of that was just so haphazardly put together like you said it's like a poor epk kit which is probably <laughs> going to be fair fine if i'm watching it on my laptop or even my screen at home but on a big big screen it, it did not look good yes <laughs> and when you had to really go at that point i'm like all right you know what now let's just <laughs> let's
1: just call it quits you know what and maybe you can edit this out later but I'm gonna go ahead and read the text I sent you because. Do <laughs> you
0: want to do it? Because I was gonna do it, but I thought you don't know. It's fair. Only you should say what you had texted. Yeah. Me. No,
1: no, no. So, so, listeners, this is what I texted Justin after I got out of literally after I got out of the screening and got home. Um, <clears throat> I I text. I'm gonna to need to watch carefully what I say during the Terrifier 2 episode. Justin texts back, "Ooh, I'm intrigued," and then I say. I may piss off horror fans, and I literally have nothing nice to say about Damien Le- Leone and Leone and company. Pure juvenile gore masturbation by Leone. Such fucking hubris. And now that the film is a success, it's it'll just encourage shit films, likely from Leone himself. Fuck this movie. This Justin's response is: This is going to be a fun discussion. My next response is. Rob Zombie is an Oscar (laughs) contender compared to this motherfucker. Uh. Um, Justin asks, what time again tomorrow? 8 p.m. And then he sends me a GIF. Of Eddie Murphy laughing and clapping <laughs> And then this is I why say, listeners. Oh, sorry, keep going And then I say, it could be a short discussion I'm that put off and disgusted That I'm almost ready to be like It's not worth my time discussing Or analyzing turds of this magnitude
0: <laughs> This, listeners, is why I said at the beginning I was actually a little disappointed in being so professional Because I've been kind of giddy Ever since he sent me that text And especially today, <laughs> while I was working And you know, all that, I was just like Even when I went from my walk after work before doing this podcast so i was just like oh this is gonna be a fun discussion because that's why i had the notes especially with the first one i'm like why was it even though i was kind of revisiting the first I'm like okay i see why he could like it in the first but i'm still like you can't call the second one juvenile when the first one he's wearing a like, goddamn <laughs> rest of the cat lady um,
1: but like i was like no nah, this is gonna be fun so you know, you're not you're not you're not the first to say people love angry cupcake. I don't know why. People are like it's oh, you don't like it? Turn it on. Let's hear yeah, more. <laughs> because we don't always see it. It's it's yes. that it it's
0: we always get that very almost compassionate towards films and filmmakers so when you get that anger you're like oh shit go off uh yeah. you know i think that's why people loved our clerks three because even though you saw the compassion there was some of that angry cupcake and it made for such yeah. a fun discussion and then i was like well this is gonna be a challenge for me because i'm gonna be sitting here defending it but i'm not defending it like i defended clerks three because i don't have this emotional connection to it and i'm only gonna be like that's oh, all right right <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I had a feeling and I didn't say it to you because I didn't want to then make you, I don't know. I just didn't want to mess with your head, but I was like, dude, I think we can get a, a pretty good, l- nice length discussion out of this. Cause I'm like, even if it's not about the film itself, it's about what the film represents, especially when you brought up uh, the, are we going to get shit films like this? And then you beat me to the punch. Cause was like, dude, we had faces of death. We had a whole series called violent shit. Though to your <laughs> point, those, well, faces of death had, definitely notoriety or infamy but those were always like direct-to-video in that they weren't they didn't transcend i could sit here and tell you the cinemascus can introduce you to the works of Bill in and movies like jesus the total douchebag and ant farm dick hole but even, compared, <laughs> even compared to the terrifier movies they're they are no budget nightmares that's a wonderful podcast that is the personification of you're basically david rock nelson or the rock nelson without charm
1: <laughs> yes <laughs>
0: so I, can sh- I have some sites to show you but this ended up being a really really much deeper discussion than i was actually expecting even
1: with me thinking and we it wasn't short to- no it's about <laughs> our regular length it is about a regular length um all righty well i guess final verdicts it's a hard skip for me I'm I'm still going to say a soft watch, but I will
0: say it's it's getting closer to Skip, and I am starting to like the first one a little bit more because I pretty much put them toe-to-toe. My only thing was, well, the first one was at least shorter, where going back to it, I'm like, it had, intentionally or not, different qualities. that makes it stand out a little bit better than Terrifier, too. But for what this is, I'm still going to give it a, a soft watch because I'm going to remember this movie. I'll give it that.
1: Oh, it's memorable just not in the right ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh listeners, I we are definitely very curious. I mean, Angry Cupcake made an appearance Uh, somewhat. And the Uh, cinemascus
0: even shared some of his, his treats with yours tricks. So you speak, you guys can now go watch some fucking bills above movies. Dear Lord. I think
1: that's what made me quit being a (laughs) (laughs) cinemasochist. So if you have thoughts on this episode, or even if you want to maybe recommend something that we should watch. That is better than terrifier. (laughs) You can certainly email us at watch skip plus spell out all the words. No punctuation at gmail.com. You can also go to anchor.fm backslash watch hyphen skip. And there's actually a audio message button and we will play it and respond to it. Uh, You can also find us on our social media accounts, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Justin. Mm -hmm. Well. You can also find us on Facebook,
0: but it doesn't matter where and on you Facebook find us. It doesn't matter where you find us on social media, where you find us on uh, your
1: podcasting systems.
0: we just hope that you always listen, you never skip and that you remember that you are the plus.
1: And leave a good review for us on any of your uh, oh, wherever yeah. you get I your I always to do that. I'm too modest. Yes. Yeah. Give us five I, uh, stars. Yeah, yeah.
0: If you give me four stars, you better have a reason, which I'm fine with. I just I want a reason. You know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> let it, let us know how you feel and, and vote for Angry Cupcake. I'm yes. running in 20, no, 2024. 2024. <laughs> <laughs> You've got time. You might be able to. I got time. I, I maybe maybe I could be um, mayor of anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mayor Tremabelle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>